Amen. Thank you, Brian. So before I do get started, I do want to ask a question of all of you very specifically. What day is Thanksgiving Day? Who said every day? Bingo. Every day is Thanksgiving Day. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I will recognize, I will admit, that that sometimes can be hard. If you are going through a tough time, that you still should give thanks in all things, okay? And I, I know um, Pastor Brian talked about when we were going through the, um, the hiding place, the book, where they thanked God for the fleas. So thank God for your fleas. Anyway, let's get started. Um, I, I don't know if you notice, I have some cups up here. Um, this, this is one of my company cups back before they named it. Have you ever noticed that sometimes in corporate America, the signs on the building are attached with Velcro because they're always changing? Um, but this is more like a soup bowl, and I actually used it a lot of times for, for grits and cheese. Um, I, I like a little grits with my cheese. Um, for those of you who are sports enthusiasts, this is the original Jacksonville Jaguars logo mug. This one's kind of special to me. It doesn't have my name on it. It has my dad's name. That is his squadron logo from 1968. Um, he left that to me when he passed away. Um, and I, I actually contacted the company. They're still, uh, they're still around. They still are manufacturing cups like this, so it was kind of neat. But there are a lot of other cups in the world, okay? How many of you have a favorite cup? Okay. How many of you have your favorite cup with you? Raise it. Yeah, okay, see? The, because we, we all have... To, today we're going to talk about the cup, all right? So let me show you a couple more cups. Let's bring up this first one. Have you ever heard of this? For those of you who like metric football, that's what I call it. This is the FIFA World Cup or FIFA or FIFA-FOFUM or whatever it is, okay? It could be zero to zero, all score along the whole game, and everybody's excited about it, and I'm going, <laughs> but you know what? For those of you who like metric football, you, you can do that, okay? All right, here's another cup. The Stanley Cup. You know, now some people go to a boxing match and a hockey game breaks out, okay? But the winner of all of the hockey matches in the National Hockey League get this massive cup. It stands about this tall now, and every team name is engraved on those who won it, and of course they have to add to the base every time they swing around and, and fill it up. So here's another cup. Okay, for those of you who are Disney fans... All right, here's another. How many of you have ever had those in your possession? Okay. How many of you have ever found them under mattresses, under car seats, and everywhere else? <laughs> and you, I've been looking for this. <laughs> and then there's a, there's a biological experiment underneath it because, you know. <laughs> All right, here's another cup. I know Pastor Brian has. I got that specifically. Raise it up for everybody to see. Pastor Brian has his. And do you know what the difference is between a sippy cup and, and the Starbucks cup? 
It's just sometimes the content or the age of the person who has it. <laughs> but that's okay. All right, here's another cup. Okay, this is my wife's cup. It's a Vera Bradley pattern with sloss all over it. He's, she loves Vera Bradley. And for her birthday, we got her all kinds of sloth pattern type stuff. And then as our anniversary was approaching, we went to one of the outlets and we said, go get the rest of what you can. So she got the bathrobe and the blanket and the cup and everything else. So, oh, yeah, keychains, yes. The, the one thing we couldn't find were the lanyards for her, her badge. So we missed that one. All right, here's another cup. Got to have the Star Wars reference. This is the cup. All right. Now, I like Star Wars. I also like Star Trek, okay? I'm not that much of a nerd, but there's another cup that I really do enjoy. So power to your house and, and to your cup. And by the way, for those of you who are looking to get me a Christmas present, if you got that for me, I would not be upset about it. <laughs> okay, here's one more cup. This is, I brought one similar to that, although this one says, what does it say on here? Grand Mariner. I bought it for a buck from, from Goodwill. This is a cup that is provided at a Jewish wedding after the vows are taken the bride and groom sip from it, and then it is smashed by the, by the groom as a way of saying this cup is just for us. And then there's another cup. Now, who is this guy? Okay, his name is Mike Francis. He's with the uh, Marine Corps League at the national level. He's also with the Military Order of the Devil Dogs. Woof, woof. Um, and he goes out and about throughout the country on all his different duties with the Military Order of the Devil Dogs and the Marine Corps League, and every time he says, I'm getting ready to go to whatever it is, he's showing a picture of his Dunkin' Donuts cup. He has been getting so much Dunkin' Donuts that I think he has pretty much free coffee for life from them. Um, but he's always posting that. I did post that with permission um, because he is a coffee addict, being that he has uh, overcome a lot of other addictions, the coffee being the last one. He's going to hang on to that. Good for him. All right, so did we have any more? I think that was the last cup. So what about the cup? Let's show the cup. I took a picture of this last week. I have it here in front of me now. The cup that we're going to talk about is the cup from the supper. Now, we call it the last supper. But is it really the last supper? No, it's not. We'll get into that in a little bit. Now... I'm kind of going to be all over the place with various references, so I'm going to start with a baseball reference. This is the setup. Mark 14, starting with verse 1. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus and secretly kill him. But, during the, but not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was away in Bethany, reclining at table... In the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made from pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why was this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with me, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. 
She did what she could. She poured perfume on my head beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Now, for those of you who do not know what spike nard is, um, it is an extremely expensive, aromatic, amber-colored essential oil. It is derived from a plant that is in the honeysuckle family, and it grows in the Himalayas of Nepal, China, and India. All right. Now, how many of you have ever been to Nepal, China, or India? Anybody? I have not been to any of them. Okay, a few of you. All right? It's not easy getting there. It's not cheap getting there. So we depend on others to bring stuff to us from Nepal, China, and India. Okay? But think about the trade back then in Jesus' day and how much more difficult it was to get something from Nepal, China, or India. So whatever came from there was extremely expensive. Now, would anybody like to have handed to them without any warning a year of your current wages right here, right now? I think I would like that very much. Hey, Andy, here is your year's wages in addition to what you're going to make the rest of the year. Okay. We could do stuff with it. We could even help the poor. Now, note that Jesus didn't say that you are okay to neglect the poor. I want to make something abundantly clear. In fact, he was telling us that we should help them often. And Passover especially, which is what they're celebrating here, was a time to give to the poor. Okay? Let's make that abundantly clear. Do not neglect those who do not have. All right? Because there, but by the grace of God, do we go. All right? How many of you have ever been unemployed? Wondering if you're going to get that next meal. I have been there. It is not pretty. So pray that God continues to provide, but in his provision for you, make sure that you are the one that is the conduit of his blessings to other people. All right. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, I want to point something out also because it is a time of rejoicing, especially Thanksgiving. He said, Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy the choice foods and the sweet drinks. Send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of your Lord is your strength. So when you are feasting, when you are enjoying some form of, of celebration, the birth of a child, the celebration on the 4th of July where we... Uh, understand our independence, and we look back. Memorial Day, all the various holidays. And oh, by the way, Thanksgiving, which is scheduled for Thursday, but it is when? Every day. Be sure to prepare. And I, that's why I love about this church is that they have prepared to give to those who might not have a, a Thanksgiving turkey. And believe me, it, it is a major blessing. So let me also point out that receiving a gift, I know I've said this before, don't ever tell anybody, oh, you shouldn't have. Don't do that. Be gracious and say thank you. Because you know what? There are times when somebody spoke to another person and said, I want you to give this gift to this person. And to trivialize by saying you shouldn't have 
trivializes their obedience to God's command. So be careful about that. Oh, one final note about Simon the leper here. Simon the leper, what are you supposed to do in Jesus' day if someone had leprosy? You avoid them. You stay away. In fact, they're supposed to be out there ringing a bell going, unclean, unclean. And then people would just toss food at them and tell them, go away. And they're supposed to stay outside the city until they've been cleaned. Simon the leper, was he healed by Jesus? Does it say? It probably, he probably was. So he was invited. You know, kind of like all of the other people who had been invited by, uh, for, who invited Jesus to their house after he had done some great miracle, it's very possible that Simon the leper had been healed by Jesus recently, and he said, come and enjoy my table now that I can have people here. So why is Simon, and why are others bellyaching about another miracle that's about to take place? Be careful about that. Just because you've been healed doesn't mean that somebody else isn't worthy of healing as well. So be careful about that, okay? Let's be sure to show mercy because it's been shown to you. Going back to the baseball reference, let's go, go over a signal. Now, how many of you watch or enjoy or have ever played baseball? Okay. Anybody like my Baltimore Orioles besides me? Ah, good. I like you. You're my friend. <laughs> I did predict uh, Orioles over the Braves in five, and they didn't even make it to the division series. So <laughs> sorry, Kevin. Perhaps next year. But you know, you, you see, you, you see uh, the third base coach. He's... What did he just tell the batter? Nobody knows except the, own, the players on their own team. Unless, of course, they're stealing signals, which, you know, what do you do, right? So here's the signal. Verse 10. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to... Why would you be delighted in that? Don't, don't start there. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money, so he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked... Where do you want us to go and make preparations to, for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city and find a man carrying a jar of water. We'll meet with you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. Imagine that. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were there reclining at the table eating, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread in the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when they had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly, I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, 
My daughter and I were talking about this yesterday in a different context. It's amazing how one person's decision, far away from your own direct line, can impact you for your entire life. Okay? So think about some of the decisions you have made or some of the decisions that have made for you or to you and how that has changed the course of your life. Judas, what was it that caused him to say, well, I'm just going to turn him in? Is it this previous dinner with Simon the leper? I wouldn't say it was that. It was probably that was the straw that broke the proverbial camel's back. But either way, the rebuke and the constant prodding by Satan, whatever else, all these things that were impacting Judas. What about the priests? How they were... Have you ever noticed that somebody tears down a subject and it starts to get at somebody and then every time it's mentioned, whether it's with your children or a teacher or in your marriage or just your, or the minister standing up, they bring up a particular subject and it's a sore spot with you and you instantly go into defensive mode? Well, guess what? That's probably what's happening with the priests. I'm sure that happens with all of us. Now... To give you a, a Fiddler on the Roof uh, reference, a man carrying a jar of water, unheard of, absurd. A man carrying a jar of water, unthinkable. I know, I shouldn't sing. You're welcome. And there's one other thing that really has my mind circling here. A pre-furnished upper room. Now, this is something that I think we need to, we need to bear in mind. And, and, and Brian, I'm glad you brought it up about, about families uh, celebrating Thanksgiving and how we need to make sure that we reach out to others who, who may have lost family or who are alone. Because what, what was this man of the household who set up an upper room, which very likely became their headquarters until Pentecost, to be completely furnished and ready for Jesus and all of his disciples, everything they needed for the Passover. But was he there? Or was he just saying, go, go, go into my upper room, go for it? What led him there? Was he preparing for his wife and his children and his adult children and, and in-laws to come over and they all canceled on him last minute? Was there a death in the family that he couldn't celebrate the Passover? What was it? We don't know. But we need to bear in mind that sometimes these decisions or these things happen to us and we need to be ready for it. And God put all these things in motion. A man carrying water, easy to identify. Everybody going, mm, look at that. But the disciples knew what to do then. It was an easy sign to follow. So look for the man carrying water. All right, so I had one more picture of a cup here, the plain one. Bring it up. There you go. I'm guessing, I could be wrong, that the cup that Jesus used at the, at the supper was just a plain, ordinary cup. Wood, glass, stone, most likely very not elaborate, okay? Remember, you know, the, the, the furnished upper room, he was, he, they were getting ready to feed 13 homeless men, okay? So nothing's going to get elaborate. In fact, they didn't even wash their feet before they came in. Think about that. But the cup means a blessing. The cup is a bond of fellowship. How many, how many of you say, hey, let's get together for what? A cup of coffee. 
For the record, I hate coffee. Love the smell, hate the taste. Don't offer me coffee. I don't like tea either. I prefer my coffee cold and carbonated. All right? But the cup is a bond of fellowship. The cup also means authority. Only the officers in their Navy squadrons had these. Of course, they're available now to anybody, but it was just the officers that had those. So, so if you saw a chief or an officer walking around like this, they had authority. But the cup in this case means a covenant. A covenant was about to take place. All right, going back to my next section, best baseball reference, the pitch out. You ever know what a pitch out is? Okay. The catcher is crouched down, ready to catch, and he comes way out to catch a ball so that he can either pick off a runner or just let them know, hey, I got my eyes on you, bud. So here's the warning. Here's the pitch out. Verse 27, you will all fall away, Jesus told them. This is after they had left the room. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. The warning here. Okay, guys, here's what's going to happen. Don't do it. But you're going to. Just don't do it. But I know you're going to. You see, by this time, the cup was starting to weigh on Jesus and on his mind. The cup was at the forefront of his every thought. Not the cup that they drank of in the upper room, but the cup of the covenant of God. That first covenant in the garden where he said, where God Almighty said, I will, you will bruise his head, talking about Jesus, and he will bruise your heel, talking to Satan. In other words, you're going to strike my son. He will die, but in his death and resurrection, he will crush you. I get excited about that. But let's understand that the cup of that covenant still had to mean that Jesus had to get his heel stricken by the serpent. That's not going to be very good. And the cup is now starting to weigh on him. And the, what is going to happen ahead of that for the redemption of sin is starting to come down on him like a load of bricks. All right, the brushback. Y'all ever see a brushback? Batter's up here like this. He's crowding the plate. And the pitcher pitches close to his face and has to do that to avoid needing uh, plastic surgery and bone surgery and everything else. Mark 14, verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it's possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon he said to Peter, are you asleep? 
Far be it from me to say there's no such thing as a dumb question, but that was a, kind of a dumb question. Yo, are you asleep? Um, yeah. <laughs> Rhetorical question. Jesus doesn't ask dumb questions. Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. I mean, it was late at night, right? They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Now, for those of you who have ever heard watch and pray, what is watch? It's not just keep awake. It's keep your eyes open for what's around you, okay? Um, a slight hint, I served in the United States Marine Corps. I might have talked about that once or twice. In boot camp, the first night in boot camp, they had uh, taught us about what is called fire watch. Anybody ever heard of fire watch, okay? What is fire watch? That is the guy who's walking around the wooden barracks to make sure there aren't any fires that start because sometimes they do. These old barracks were kind of like tinder boxes. There's just one problem to my own mind, and mind you, I had just graduated high school, so I thought I was smarter than the average bear. It was a concrete building. Why do you need fire watch for a concrete building? Right? Military intelligence. But it was more than just watching for fires. It was watching to make sure everybody was staying in their racks asleep and make sure there weren't anybody coming out of their racks to do anything stupid and also to make sure there wasn't anybody stealing from another in their foot lockers or whatever the case may be. It was the duty who was making sure everybody was staying safe. Keep watch. That's what it was all about. The cup of the first covenant was now being handed to Jesus. The human side of him did not want it. After all, he was sweating blood. I know we have a couple doctors in our midst. It's a real thing. The capillaries in your forehead or wherever else begin to burst through stress and they break out into your sweat glands and as you sweat under that stress, the blood is coming out. Now, Dr. Downey is sitting there back there smiling. Uh, what I know about the medical industry would rattle around like a BB in a boxcar, but I do know that. Of course, I have a wife that is now a nurse, and I'm proud of her for that, so sometimes she lets me in on stuff like this. But also understand that sweating blood will often kill whoever's doing that. That is a precursor to them just flat out dropping dead right then and there because they're losing a lot of blood. But as the Savior of the world, he knew he had to take that cup. Oh, one more thing about this passage. Abba, Father. Okay. How many of you still call your father, Father? Whenever one of my kids says that, I know I'm in trouble with them. <laughs> Abba doesn't just mean Father. It means Daddy. It is time that we begin to have that relationship because of the cup with God the Father that we can call him daddy. All right, so here comes the pickoff. Verse 43, just as Jesus was speaking, Judas, one of the 12, appeared. 
With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer, notice they didn't name Simon Iscariot here. They just labeled him. Now the betrayer arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. Then the men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was in the temple with you, teaching in the temple courts, and did you not arrest me? But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. It's interesting here. I was in the courts. I was, in the, I was there teaching you. I was right there. You guys were ready to arrest me. Why didn't you? Rhetorical question again. The key phrase, though, in this passage is, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. It's not about the ear getting cut off. It's not about who did it, Simon Peter. It's not about the betrayer. It's about the Son of Man who is going to approach the cup. The focus now is 100% on the cup of redemption. So was this the letdown that Brian spoke of? No, hardly. I will say strike one, though. Verse 53. They took Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests and the elders and the teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. Pretty bold of him. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself with, at the fire. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put, could put him to death. But they didn't find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements didn't agree. Then some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days we'll build another not made with hands. Yet even their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, one of the high priests asked him, Are you the Messiah? the Son of the Blessed One? I am, Jesus said. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him, and they blindfolded him and struck him with their fists and said, Prophesy! And the guards took him and beat him. There are times when silence is indeed golden. Now, if you have puppies or toddlers, silence is suspicious. But in this case, why was Jesus silent? He was focused on the cup. Nothing anybody was saying about him, to him, against him, was going to make a difference in his quest to fulfill the cup. And so he stayed silent. There's no need to answer the naysayers. And that's a life lesson for all of us. 
that when you are focused on what God is telling you that you know for sure, I am obeying the Lord Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit for the command that he's put before me, forget what the naysayers say, don't even bother answering them, just stay focused. And in this case, what was Jesus' command to him from God the Father of the Ancient of Days? The cup. Stay focused on the cup. So strike two. Verse 66. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the priests, or one of the servant girls of the high priest came by when she saw Peter warming himself, and she looked closely at him. You were also with that Nazarene, Jesus. Boy, that, that Nazarene? Hey, you were with that Baker County person, weren't you? But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she again said to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. And again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you're one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I do not know this man you're talking about. Immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Now, do any of you or have any of you have chickens? I used to keep chickens. I usually kept one rooster to keep the hens happy. And when he was no longer doing his job, I would turn him from a rooster to a roaster. But in the middle of the night, you would hear the rooster crowing all night long. I'm not going to imitate it out of respect for everybody here. But it was annoying. Fortunately, at the time, I lived out in Baker County, so nobody else was annoyed by it but me. What I want to know, though, is were others possibly following at just a larger distance than Peter? Remember, he's the bold one. Or is it possible that Peter himself retold the story to the disciples? Hey, guys, guess what? I was out by the fire, and I actually did deny Jesus three times, just like he said. Cool. No, I don't think so. Or what more likely have happened is that when he did return to the upper room, because Peter wept so bitterly, they saw on his face the downcast countenance, the red eyes. Perhaps he was still sniffling. Peter, what's the matter? And then he retold the story. Of course, again, I wouldn't be surprised that somebody else followed him. So I'm not going to talk about strike three because that's tomorrow or next week. But I want to talk about what comes after that in what I will call the walk-off home run. Revelation 16, verses 6 through 9. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like the sound of peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed 
are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. Dalton, come on up here and bring your bride. We're going to have a little bridal demonstration because I've got the cup. I can picture this. I can picture this in heaven. Come on up here. Stand, stand one here, one here, and face each other. You don't have to hold hands, but it helps. I know, I know most kids are going, ew. Dalton, do you promise to love and cherish and respect and all that other stuff? I do. And, and do, you, do you promise to love and cherish and honor and respect and all that other stuff? I won't even say obey. <laughs> and after they have drank from the cup, the priest will take the cup, put it in a bag so that we don't make a mess. Draw spring string bag here. Smash right there. And then as hard as he can. <laughs> and then everybody says Mazel tov. Mazel tov! Mazel tov! You may kiss the bride. But that is what is coming soon. We're going to need a broom up here. That is coming soon. But it would not come soon if it were not for the other cup. The cup of the covenant that Jesus was so focused on that he said... I'm focused on this cup so that one day in glory, when my bride comes to me, I can have that final covenant and say, it is done. Stand with me. Father God, we thank you for the cup. We thank you that you, Jesus Christ, suffered, bled, and died and rose again so that we may rise to new life in you because of you and because of the cup. And we ask your blessing on this day, on this communion table that we are about to partake, and upon everyone that touches our lives and whose lives we touch, that you, Lord, will be glorified and people will see the cup. Thank you, Father. Thank you for all that you have done. We ask your blessing on the rest of this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.